Welcome to the Don't Die podcast, sponsored by Aloe Treatment Centers. They're out in Malibu. They're in Silver Lake. It's a treatment center I started with some friends. We want you to get the right treatment, the right program for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> that's our motto. Like, if people walk up to me, people walk up to me and say, stop dying, Chuck. Yeah, they do. That's uh, Me too. And that's I, apparently what you've always said. And my name's Mike. But I, but I never saw, say stop dying, Mike. <laughs> no, cause, yeah, cause Mike was, maybe this isn't even the real Mike. I think Mike was supposed to die in 1986. This is wow. going to be the best podcast ever. He did. He was. <laughs> he you can't. Was. You just can't say things like that. Listen, in 1986, uh, if, if the first thing in the morning, you know, back this before texting and phones, if the first thing I heard gossip-wise was Mike Martin, I'd be like, that makes uh, total sense. Yep. That, that makes total sense. Right. You mean he's not dead yet? <laughs> I, uh, yeah. So I, just, you know, I mean, you've heard a lot of junkies talk like this, and they're surprised that they're alive. I'm just really surprised that I'm alive. But, you, know, you know, I'm surprised. You know you're who alive. I believe? I'm surprised you're alive. Too, you know though. who I believe will never be surprised that Mike's alive is his daughters. They can't. There's no way they can imagine what this wonderful dad of theirs was like. If you know, I because I, I joke about it sometimes to the older one, and uh, she just looks at you like, oh, you you're just making about? up yeah. a bunch. Of, you're exaggerating. <laughs> yeah. That's the best. That's the best compliment you can get. Yeah, is, is I can't imagine compliment. you like that. When people go, I can't imagine you do that, and I just go, thank you. Right. Yeah. It's I, a beautiful thing having kids. You know, my first, uh, the one you're talking about, uh, Sophia has her is in her first band. Perfect. Isn't that awesome? It's in. Uh, see, uh, see, Mike's all positive about artistry. When Elijah, my older son, was doing bad in school, he was like 14 or whatever, and we were arguing. And he said, Dad, I don't know why you're so upset. I'm just going to be a musician like you. I lost my mind. I said, <laughs> have you learned nothing from the suffering that this is fucking causing us? I wish I never thought of becoming mm. a musician. And I yeah. don't want that for my son. That's what my reaction when Mike had told me they're going to be a musician. Mike's going to roadie for them. You got <laughs> I, gave, I gave him a. She needed oh like, my god! She needed an amp. I got her an amp. She's going to have a life of, of disappointment and torture. And uh, oh my god! You got a better shot at being an astronaut than making money doing music. But Elijah's counter was well. John and Anthony and Flea did pretty good. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, that's one in a billion. Well, that's 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 kind of what comes back around to what what Mike said. The fact that we can say I'm surprised I'm alive is because we're not the ones that died. There's a lot of people that died that don't get to say that. But those of us that went through that, through and through the whole addiction nonsense, and we're still around. That's what. Of course, we're all going to say that because that's the. I mean, I had a friend at work just go, I can't believe he got loaded again. And I said, you're missing the whole thing. You can't believe he got loaded again. The fact, you know, you're so used to seeing sober people that you act yeah, like it's normal. Where if This is not the normal to but be what, sober. But none of your kids came to you and said, I'm going to be a musician, dad? But they they still do. Tristan's playing drums. We started working on Isn't some things together. Isn't that heartbreaking for you? No, because it's, it's <laughs> oh, no. you know, I didn't teach him how to throw a ball. I didn't, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what, what I think it, being musicians but safer than being in the NFL. That's true. I, I think there's true. a lot less brain injury, I, uh, all that stuff. But um, you know, it, I don't know what what Bug is gonna do. I have no idea he's what he's gonna, gonna be, be capable artist. of. But like, I, I think he's we, gonna be an artist. We were talking earlier, and um, 
you know, he's, he's growing a lot and there's a lot of things changing. He's going to be changing schools again. And, uh, and then the other one, the middle one, the one, you know, is, uh, out in Riverside at a treatment center again. Oh, really? At a yeah. detox unit or a real rehab? Yeah, it's called, I forget what it's called. I had him send it to me again. Is it just a detox only it's thing? It's a detox. Yeah, yeah, BHP. yeah. I know that place. I know that place. And, uh, well, look at it this way, Chuck. If his struggles don't kill him, he's going to live to be an amazing person. Yeah, you know, he's already sounding better you know and I mean? looking better and acting better even just 30 days no, I in. Just, so. I think a lot of kids got into this rehab go-round. I think they're missing the point about what sobriety is. I think they're really, in, uh, and like we're all a part of it, this rehab industry world you know, that you live in, that I live in, that Mike kind of tiptoes around. I walk it's on the fence. It's not sobriety. No, sobriety, treatment, treatment. Like, because a lot of people put so much emphasis. I just spoke at Cry Help this weekend, and it was mind-blowing to be there and to be telling Chrissy, like, what it was like here and what I was like and, and all the counselors that still work there knew what I was like and, you know, it was just really weird, and it made me think a lot about and ruminate a lot. And what Cry Help is really about is about sobriety. It's not about therapy. Okay, right? it's about you, physical sobriety. It's about it's about what we know is what people who are addicted to drugs are looking for: freedom, freedom from the bondage of self, freedom from drugs. That's not what the rehabs are selling. They're not selling freedom. They're not selling, <laughs> they're not, you know what I mean? It, it was just so clear to me that there now is a rehab sobriety weird world and then there's real life sobriety. Yep. And they are two completely different things. They used to be an, a handoff. You got handed off from the rehab world sobriety to the 12-step world re, real life sobriety. No longer does that handoff happen. I don't. I, I think by choice of both sides, I think there's a lot of animus and a lot of animosity towards rehab sobriety from the twelve-step world. Mm-hmm. And pull up with a van full, and you'll see. Yeah, or or just the way that people talk about rehabs. I mean, and, and you know, at Allo, we try to be more organic and more real, but it's still a rehab world. Right, right. It's it's yeah. too much focus. There was no nobody at Cry Help or at Hazelden, or at Exodus where I went. All these rehabs that I went to, there was no focus on how's Bobby feeling today. <laughs> there was <laughs> nothing like there that. There was a good reason for that. They asked everybody else. They just didn't ask you. But but then I you know and I was talking with Marlene that runs it. The, she's you know we talked about Gloria Scott and uh, it was celebrating Gloria Scott and she was the greatest counselor who ever lived in my opinion. She got through to me. She got through to Anthony. She got through to to John, she got through to everybody. She was just an amazing communicator of love and sobriety and, and, and not being a victim. And she was just amazing. Right. And we both concluded Marlene that runs cry help and, and I, Mm -hmm. she couldn't work in the recovery industry these days. She couldn't, there's no way she, she called it like it was. She told you, you're so full of shit. Can you imagine saying that uh, down at your place? Not today. <laughs> Maybe on a Friday. <laughs> I one time not e- didn't even say the words full of shit. I one time suggested very much that a client was full of shit. And 
Evan and Jared asked me to like, you know, like step down as the director. Oh no. <laughs> because rehab has become something different. You you gotta admit that. Oh, of course. And so so anyways, we we were celebrating Gloria and we were talking about Gloria and telling Gloria's stories. And the more stories I told and the more Marlene told, the more we realized like she would be unemployable. She would be unemployable. She used to tell peers like they're full of shit. Like you can't say that to a coworker nowadays in the 21st century. They'll go to HR and you'll be suspended. And uh, have H- a my HR has a chuck form. <laughs> they just have to go in and sign it. Like, how are you offended? This, this, this. By just you? Check, yeah. Are you the most offensive? <laughs> I think so. I, I've been called a walking HR nightmare. By, it, have by, you by, really? by, by HR. Well, maybe Gloria Scott would be a walking HR nightmare. <laughs> and it's just well, and it, it, but it's, why it's can't just, you? It's just from being kind of honest and off the cuff like that, though. Why can't you be honest anymore? Because people can't disagree; they can't accept that other people have different opinions than them, right? So there's mm-hmm. just so much to our culture that's changed, so much to rehab that's changed, and. And I got to admit, and so much about the 12-step world has changed. Since Gloria died in 2001, I was really active and involved with her from the eight, late 80s, like 89, till she died, all through the 90s. And I was loaded and in rehabs and sober and loaded again and then finally sober. And that world doesn't exist anymore. No. It, it's it, different. And... and, and it's weird, right? I remember I told this story. She hated some people in AA. Fucking hated them. She hated this guy, Bradshaw. You ever heard of this guy that wrote the book, the Healing the Child Within? No, I don't know. He is a psychologist, sober guy, who wrote a book called Healing the Child Within. She hated him. She'd share every night about how much she hated that <laughs> fucking book and that philosophy of recovery. <laughs> it was all this gentleness and, you know, your child within and you got to heal him and protect him and hold the teddy bear. And she'd say, if you ever see that, if you ever meet that child within, you need to tell it to fucking grow up. You're 35 years old. <laughs> right? <laughs> on the act as age. And, and she would say it right in meetings of his devotees <laughs> right and and so and i told the story so at second and hill it's, it's this big uh i think monday night i got corrected i thought it was friday night or thursday night but it was monday night big monday night meeting in santa monica we always went it was like gloria's meeting like she had her posse there all her sponsees were there and she had a whole row in the church, right? And we would all <laughs> vie. We would all vie to see who could sit next to her and whatever. <laughs> and so and so we're sitting there one night, and I'm standing next to her because I always got there late. So it was like all the cool people were sitting in the thing next to her. But I was standing above her, and she looked up, and she saw this guy she doesn't like in AA. And she goes, she looks at me and goes, go find out. She, she, at first she said, what the fuck is he doing here? Right? This is a seventy this is a seventy year old woman. <laughs> what the fuck is he doing here? And she goes, Bob, go find out if he's a speaker. Cause that's the only reason he would be in her meeting, because uh. they were they didn't get along at all. And so I went over and he said, Hey dude, what's happening? What are you doing? Hey, hey, hey how hey, you doing? Hey, hey. hey Mr. Schmoozer. Uh, and I go, You speaking? And he goes, Yeah, 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 yeah. And I go, okay, great, okay, 
me and I, you know, gave him an AA hug, you know, and went back. And I go, yeah, he's the speaker. And she pulled, got her purse, and she told the whole row of like 13 people, come on, we're getting out of here. Fuck this. <laughs> and we left. We left the AA meeting. Good. But I mean, what? what you it, couldn't do if you did that at the uh, the Coast Mesa Alana Club, you'd be run out of town. <laughs> I don't even go there. <laughs> I always think of you when I, I think know, of that. You, I know, I, I know. You, so, I know you see me at Coast. I mean, Mesa I like I like that place. I like the rawness. Weekday weekday nights, it's not that well attended. I like the rawness know. of. You never go there. I haven't been there in probably twenty years. No joke. Mike, do you go there? I don't. Who goes there? That that used to be the center of all rock and roll sobriety. It might still know. be, for all I know. I mean, I know that everybody was going to Probably Under the why Bridge. I don't go. <laughs> Under the Bridge in Long Beach is the one where a lot of folks go. That's a good one, right, Chuck? Yeah. I like that one. I thought Orange. I thought. Wait a minute, you guys, you Orange County guys. I thought Long Beach Long wasn't Beach a is, part of Orange it's County. It's not. It's Los Angeles <laughs> County, Bob. Yeah, but but we Where? adopted them in Orange County because they're like L.A. only cool. So, <laughs> so the people drive all the way from Costa Mesa to Long Beach to be cool. Of course. Okay, let's go completely crazy for a listen, second. I, where is listen, Lake, where is Lakewood? Listen, Wood? Irvine is, is, is a really weird place. And down yeah. there, South Orange County, all those places. It's just kind of strange. I know, but I've been saying that for four years on this show, and you always back Chuck up. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not racist in Orange County, Bob. What I are you talking about? That. I, yes, he does. He aligns with you defending wait, me. Is, I is am it, saying, is it, I am, what I've been telling you is that AA is the same in a lot of places. They, there's some good AA in Orange County. There's good AA everywhere. That's you what have I'm to saying. Seek, you have to seek it out. I'm That's right. all I was ever saying. But within... With uh, let's say let's go off the rails for a second. So where awesome. is where is Lakewood? Lakewood is off. Is it Orange County? No, Los no, Angeles County. That's Lake Forest. Where is, is Lakewood? Lakewood is Lakewood is, uh, by, off, is off the four hundred five. Is north it? of Long Beach. Yeah. Okay, so Kanye West over the weekend. Or did you hear about this? He's, no. He did his bullshit church from uh, you know his you know his. Whatever his church merch, he's a preacher now, Uh, and he uh, went to the big mega church in Lakewood, where that that idiot guy that flies on Learjets with the slick black hair, whatever that guy's uh, name is, that preacher, uh, hot Orin something or whatever. I don't. Oral Roberts isn't still alive. I don't know. I don't know any of these people. It's a. It's like a young. Oh, is it Joel Osteen? Joel Osteen, right? Who the fuck is that guy? I don't know. Who believes these people? Is there any, like, I can't. So so they had it on the news. Tickets were, like, going for $500 for Kanye West, who's going to be at Joel Olstein's church. And I was like, I thought it was like a, I, I'm not going to say it, like, well, it's a term. Bumfuck Arkansas or something. <laughs> <laughs> that, why wouldn't you say bumfuck Egypt? <laughs> Why, why wouldn't you say that? Why would you say know. Arkansas? Why I did you go know. there? Are well, you... that, I think my dad used to say that. Like, Bumfuck Okies or <laughs> Oklahoma or something. It would be somewhere where it's known that that kind of stuff is popular. Okay. Like, you know, like snake oil salesman. Bible Bell. But then I find out it's in Lakewood, California. And I was like, where is Lakewood, California? I, and then my mind and my prejudiced mind, it's got to be in Orange County. <laughs> Of course. That's where they keep no, I, all the people that would go to that bullshit. I don't, like, I, I don't know. 
I don't Haven't know you ever seen the guy? It. He just talks all positive. Oh, you know, think positive and you'll drive a Learjet like me. Like, no, who believes that bullshit? Jesus wants you to ride on a Learjet? <laughs> who <laughs> believes that bullshit? I don't know, but I Obviously, like 17,000 people do. Because the church is like, I grew up in Catholic church. There's like maybe 400 max. These are churches, Chuck, that okay. have 17,000 people. You're okay, but you're you're right about one thing. It is Lakewood Church, but it's Lakewood in Houston, Texas. Oh, it is somewhere like I thought. Okay. Yep. yep. So it wasn't here. So people in Cal- Orange County aren't stupid. Like Fifty-two thousand attendees per week. A seventeen thousand seat church. Oh, so there's a Lakewood, Texas. You should apologize to everybody. I'm sorry in to Lakewood, California. <laughs> No, no, but think about it. I knew that there's not 17,000 that stupid of people in in Los Angeles. Well, listen, where else could he do this besides Texas? You know what I mean? I've been doing this prediction all around. I'm going to do it it right here. Arizona. I'm going to do it right here. I have no doubt in my mind that if America continues to be so divided ignorant stupid if the left continues to be so wacky if the right continues to just hold their nose and go along with this racist fucking bullshit you know uh corrupt nonsense kanye west will be president of the united states in 2028 (laughs) in 2028 unless in this election we reject this kind of bullshit and somebody reasonable becomes president Kanye West will be president in 2028. Mark my words. I don't know if I'll be there to see the grand moment, but he will be president if this bullshit doesn't stop. That's fantastic. Yeah. Can yeah. you see it? <clears throat> I, I can because because he his, he could leave his entertainer past behind in the next 10 years and become this faith-driven dude who, who by... And he's married to one woman. He's never been. He's a good guy. He's a great and, and guy. He's a genius. He's this and that. Well, you can put your past behind you in like a year in this society. You can be <laughs> a scandal today, and in a year you can have your comeback. But anyway, so so the idea that the culture has changed, the twelve step world has changed, rehab world has changed dramatically. And, it's called and when evolution. I to, when I went to cry help, I really realized it because cry help has changed. Right. There used to be all this fun stuff that were kind of cry help mythology. And I was proud to have been a part of it. One was they used to have these things called marathons. So if the girls were talking to the boys too much or there was too much rebellion or they would just wake up in the morning, say everybody in the multipurpose room. And it was all 103 of us or whatever sitting in there. And they would just read the AA book cover to cover. (laughs) Then they would read the NA text cover to cover. No, the the AA book, then the 12 and 12 cover to cover. Then the NA text and the NA how it works cover to cover. Wow. And we would just sit there mind numbing. Not just one day. Day after day from from eight in the after breakfast like nine in the morning until 10 30 at night four days in a row you never saw so many drug addicts lose their minds and i did, did not people leave during oh that? fuck yeah and fuck this place and kick over the chairs you just can't take it anymore you're just like in this it was called a marathon right and it was traditional from the 
80s when cryhelp was founded. And the cryhelp was founded in the late 70s, I think. But it was a way of clearing the house of malcontents and bullshitters and people that weren't motivated for recovery. Hmm. So, because the people that are motivated for recovery are not going to lose their shit and leave, right? They're going right. to just endure. And it was very gestalt, very tough, you know, very tough. But it did cleanse the house of a lot of, you know, just troublemakers, right? <laughs> they don't do it anymore because of patients' rights. <laughs> Mm. They have a patient rights handbook at Cry Help. <laughs> I like the, the world is losing its mind. When you check into a place <clears throat> like that, you have no rights. Well, and that's that your Cry Help was similar to our old Charlie like, Street Rock Rock Center and the old style Cooper Fellowship, where it was like you've already done those hospital programs. You've yeah. already done that. You've already done that. Your family's done. The law enforcement's done. Everybody's tired of your ass. The only place you can go is to this place, and it's a no frills. And and you just barely, you you get barely what you need. You put in a lot of physical work, and you're required to do a lot of things. If you don't do it, you can go. You could go. Hey, uh, I got a question about Charlie Street. Chuck might know. Uh, It's funded. Is it funded by the government or something? Is it federally? Uh, yeah, it's got I think county it's a, funded it's a county, medical, yeah. Yeah, it's county run. Because I know that it only costs like two to to two hundred bucks. Yeah, to take somebody there, it takes fifty bucks. You know, you put fifty bucks on the table and here's a guy and I've done it a bunch of times. Yeah, but they have Medi-Cal. Um, or or they'll or register they, them. They'll figure, register yeah, they'll them for Medi-Cal. From, exactly. <clears throat> yeah, but yeah. But that's How, so that's is, that's only a detox. That's what cry it's help. not a that's program. That's what cry help is too. Or that's just what yeah, right. Oh, that's a detox, right, Chuck? Yeah, it's, it's, and it's ten days. You have to stay ten days, or else you don't get to come back. That's the rule, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you have, have to, to complete, and then you can only go like I don't know. I think it's but with Suboxone, what's completing? See, I like that. <laughs> I like that 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 they go. Okay, listen. If you don't complete, you don't get to come back. Sorry. I know, but there's another because there are, I've had but taken Mike, a Mike, there's a bunch of those places. They're all a part of what's called BHS, Behavioral Health Services of, of County of Los Angeles, American Hospital. You can, you can, you can still shop at that level, right, Chuck? Mm-hmm. You can go from Redgate in Long Beach to Charlie Street to American Hospital in Pomona to Hemet Detox. They're all they're all part of BHS, I think. Right, you could just go from one to the other. You can't go back to Charlie Street. You could, yeah. I mean, you can if you complete the ten. If you have days. a medical card, you have the right to seek help for your drug and alcohol. But problem. there's even if you complete, there's still a limit on how many times you can come back in a. <clears throat> excuse me. There's they've got a time limit, and they've got a, a number of times. I I know a guy who's on the board there, and I could ask him, but I don't want to. But there call right there now. also was Stanton Detox, but that that became a for profit place, right? Because I used to put in the '90s, I used to put people in Stanton Detox. You could literally just walk in there, and if you had a medical card, you could get detox. If you need, if you had nothing, you could walk in there. I went in there with nothing in 1997 when it was a freestanding building up off Dale and Beach. Yeah, but they didn't. Here's the thing: I was sending people from Map, from from Los Angeles County, mm-hmm. and they didn't like it because it was Orange County funded, right? So if they had the medical card, they would do it. Hmm. But you couldn't. You couldn't be a person from Hollywood 
who went to Stanton Detox like you did. You were from Orange County. The funding came from Orange County. Just like in Los yeah. Angeles County, <clears throat> American Hospital in Pomona is funded by L.A. County mon- money. Yeah, but they, they charged on your way out $19 a day if you didn't have any coverage. So however long right. you were there. American Hospital is 200 bucks. That's it. It pays for the whole 10 right. days. Two hundred. Yeah, that's what this place was. Is one hundred ninety for the. That was the greatest thing. Days. Me and me and a friend of mine, Bill, <clears throat> took took a, f- a friend of mine, Robert, the guy from from the song, uh, serial song. My friend Robert, right, mm. that's living at his mom's. So I take him to American Hospital. I think his. I don't know how. I didn't have the money. I was working at Millie's. So somehow somebody either Dave Navarro or somebody paid like or gave us the $100 and then somebody else shipped in the $200 for him to go to American Hospital. We drive him out there, me and my friend Bill, pay the $200, get him in, and on the way back coming down Kellogg Hill on the 10 freeway, Bill's car broke down. And we're stuck at this, this that there was a Holiday Inn right at the bottom of, of the Kellogg Hill, east, uh, west on the 10. And we're stuck there for like <laughs> out, two hours. He doesn't have AAA. I don't even know what AAA is. We're trying to get a car, car towed. His transmission went out. We finally, like we drove out there just after traffic at like 10. So we probably dropped him off like at noon. We're, we're probably driving back at noon. I finally get back to L.A. like at 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock. I say to my girlfriend, well, thank you, you know, because you're calling on a pay phone to say, you know, we're stuck. I'm not going to be back and whatever. So I tell her, well, at least he's there because I love, I love him. And he's now been sober for two decades. So it's not like a, you know, it's not okay. like a sad story. But it's a funny story because <laughs> she goes, well... No, that's not actually true. <laughs> and I go, what are you talking about? She goes, she got a call from his girlfriend. He's been home for two hours. <laughs> he got home before he, you. He beat us home. Oh. <laughs> How fucked up is that? Did he, <laughs> did he get his money back? I thought that I think he took our money. <laughs> he didn't. He, he got home before us. That's fucking classic. That, but you got it. And I remember laughing, and we all laughed about it. And finally, a few months later, he did get sober. But, and we st- still laugh about it, and we laughed. People don't laugh anymore about shit like that. No. They don't they... laugh in the 12-step world. It's not, it's, it's, it's not a place of joy and laughter. I, I went to a couple meetings over the last couple weeks. It's just not a place of that it used to be where people would laugh that, at shit like that's that. Un, that's universal though. I mean, but that that's was, not, is it not politically correct to laugh or what? what I don't, is the I thing? don't know what happened, but it was, that was the conversation I had with Denny McGahee where we were just going, man, I wish people would laugh, laugh more and be pissed shit. off less. Yeah. Pissed off. They're pissed off. It's always angry. Or they t- tell me it's not fucking funny, bro. That guy could die. Like uh-huh. no, people, to never say shit like that in my circle of 12 of step world. Never. Now they say it all the time. This other thing happened. Harold Owens and I <clears throat> would do the so, and this is a sad version because this kid did eventually die. But but this kid that I knew from MAP and then handed him over to Harold, this was when there was Music Cares and MAP separate, right? So yeah. I worked at MAP. Harold Owens, the great, the great counselor, worked at music cares and so once i had burned out on a guy and i'd put him in treatment twice and he'd laughed or fucked up then i would say no i can't help you anymore call harold so he called harold and he went through a couple of 
trips through music shows, right? So he finally got sober for like five months, and he's a good kid. He's it's sad that he's gone, but he was he's just great. <laughs> this is a great story. So he, got, <laughs> he, he no. no, but this shows you the spirit of how cool drug addicts are, even if they pass away. That he was just such a fun guy. He was a really, you know, kind of a pop. Pop punk uh, guitar player, singer guy, really good guy, real connected. He decides, I'm going to do a power pop weekend at the Echoplex and give all the money to Music Cares. Right. And I'm like, cool. And, and, And I know nowadays, this is like 15 years ago, I know nowadays. People would say, hey, you don't have enough sobriety to be organizing fundraisers, blah, 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 right? So he gets the first reunion of the Standells that I love that dirty wild of Boston, you're my home. You know that song? He gets a reunion of them first time in 20 years. He gets a Plimsolls reunion. Peter Case's band, the Plimsolls played. Nice. And then a bunch of cool power pop bands. And we, we went. It was so fun. And... I was so proud of him and whatever. It was just cool, right? And he was at in the parking lot at a table with an umbrella over the top of it doing the money. <laughs> and at the end, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> at the end of the night, oh, he disappeared. The money disappeared. <laughs> oh, damn it. That was so, the tell right there. So <laughs> then everybody, the next couple of days, no one knows where he is and blah, blah, blah. And me and Harold got on the phone and we're just like, this motherfucker, motherfucker. <laughs> is so great. This is the greatest uh-huh. thing ever. Right? Yeah. It was funny. It wasn't, and people were like, oh, it's a, it's a spit in the face of you guys. I was like, no, it's not. It's nah, what junkies do when they got five grand in a little metal box. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just I like remember, stealing you know the those, meeting money. You know those little metal boxes? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you, know, it was, you know, and it was like 10 I, o'clock at night. Plus, I know he had pulled something fantastic off, and I know this. If you're five months sober and you pull something fantastic off, it doesn't feel right how you should feel. And how you feel are different. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh my god! Because you because you feel like either because I've been a you feel I've like a fraud. The, I've been in that feeling state. You're either fraud or you don't feel appreciated enough. I think he probably didn't feel appreciated oh. enough. Not enough people from the stage said this is the greatest thing because of that guy. I know I've always been that guy. I've always been that guy standing there. I organized this whole fucking thing, and not one person's mentioned my name. <laughs> I, I have been that guy. <laughs> I have. Oh. And then uh, <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story about Eddie Vedder. So, so everybody was so shocked that I finally got sober. Like in 97, we did a benefit for MAP, right? And it was Chili Peppers. I think System of a Down played. Is it Chili Peppers, somebody, uh, I, I can't remember, and Thelonious Sponsor. I don't know if Mike played, or maybe it might have been The Bicycle Thief. But so then Flea calls me and goes, hey, Eddie wants to play. It was right when Eddie Vedder's solo song, that 50s revision song that he did, like a solo song that was a hit on K-Rock. Remember? Oh, it was like, yeah. Remember that about, song? About the car accident? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had that song, was like number one on K-Rock, and then Eddie says, I want to play. So Flea's like, we got to get him on the bill. And, and so we got him on the bill, and it helped sell out the Palladium, right? Eddie comes, you know, and I'm nervous, like, where the fuck is he? And I don't have his contact info. And Flea's saying, he's going to be there, he's going to be there, he's flying down himself, and blah, blah, blah. And so then finally, like at 5 o'clock, 
he gets there in a van with these musician friends of his from Seattle that he had flown down with his own money. And he's got a van and he's loading the equipment on the stage. And I was like, holy shit. And I go, thank you, dude. Thank you so much for doing this. And he hugs me and he goes, anything that got Bob Forrest clean, I'll be there. Now, no, but listen, it's not not an all moment. I didn't get sober a map. (laughs) Oh, Oh, so you lied. So I lied. I felt like, do I tell him? Like, oh, no, no, I didn't get sober at MAP. Like, I I remember just thinking, like, I felt like a fraud. Like, this greatest thing, the whole night, I'm nervous. Like, should I tell him? Or is he going to be pissed at me that I kind of misrepresented what MAP was? Well, since I know he's a big fan of this podcast... Your phone's going to ring. Yeah. What the fuck, Matt? Didn't get you sober? You had me fly down there? Load my own equipment? But you know what's funny? You know what's funny, Bob, is I'm like a, I'm like a big fan of his his train of thought and everything like that. He, I stored a car for, for him for a while, this Falcon that he bought with this notion that when he put out his solo album, he was going to get in the Falcon with just him and one other guy and a sure PA, and he was going to go yeah, do he his brought, whole, that's his whole so tour. He brought his own PA to the Palladium, a sure PA. <laughs> he loaded the PA <laughs> in himself, and he yeah. said huh. he was telling the guys to mic it, and the, the PA was, guys were like, mic a PA? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he likes the sound. So, but isn't that cool, though? That's yeah, cool. it's cool. But it, it, but the the point being that 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 when you do these things, it's never the feelings that you think. First time I played sober at the whiskey, it was like, you know, it's what I had wanted. I was like a year sober or something. It was what I had, you know, kind of dreamed. Like I didn't even think it could be possible that Felonious wants to get back together. We'll play the whiskey. It'll sell out, and people will be there. I remember, uh, you know, I'm working at Millie's and I'm playing at the whiskey. And this, these two worlds are colliding. It didn't feel good. It didn't feel mm. good. It felt weird. And so I know that Darren, this, well, this guy that did this event, he just felt weird. And so he just took the money and ran. So he or, didn't. Or and he's me and just Harold, a good addict. Me I'm... and Harold were just loving it and just thought, that's, that's what junkies do. That's okay. And then when he finally did pop up and whatever, we weren't mad at him. And Harold well, put if you would have taken money the... from the bands, that would have been one thing. But they were already there for free. <laughs> They had promised to be. They there were for already free. there for free. So but they you know didn't. what I mean. You just can't laugh at shit anymore. No, that that's a bummer. Yeah, that's that's weird because like I've actually told sponsor, you know, people that have asked me for help. I said, look, you know, I mean, if you if you go out, if you choose to do drugs, and you go out and you die, I'm not going to feel sorry for you because you've chosen this. You know, you right. basically have chosen this, and if you can't really commit to this, then I am not going to feel sorry for you, and I'm you know I'm going to move on. If you die, if you go out and you die and you don't take this seriously, that's going to be your tough luck because you've chosen this path. Yeah, and see, the, the modern rehab... Uh, that's the truth, the, though. It's the, well, I mean, it's harsh. I, I, I understand that. Like, I don't know why you need, even need to say that, really. It doesn't really because matter. You, you, because, because I don't you want to impress no, upon them... That you're how, not going to be empathetic to their sorrow and their... They're boohooism. I know exactly. I know, and and so part of what I think junkies. I think junkies respect somebody tough like Gloria Scott. Yeah, Gloria Scott. Buddy Arnold gives Buddy Arnold gives him the fucking truth. We haven't even talked about Buddy Arnold yet. Oh my god, oh my god. So so there's a couple instances where he's just so harsh, 
I can't even get into it, but the things that he would say to people's faces were jaw-dropping, right? And But they worked. People weren't offended. They didn't run away. They didn't cower. They didn't kill themselves. It, those people that he said those things to got sober. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm not, I feel bad even repeating the things that he said to people to their <laughs> face. But you know, that's all. You're a bullshit con artist, lying ass motherfucker. He would say that to a poor little junkie sitting in his office. That's right. I'm not buying your bullshit. That's good. You I came like here for a free bed, free hots and a cot, three hots and a cot. That's what you came here for. Fuck you. And I would just be like, whoa. And I'd be like, buddy, mellow out a little bit. <laughs> right? The guy's at his lowest point. Kind of have a heart. It doesn't and sound the, like he was, but he and knew. The, and then he would, do like the kill, he would do the thing. Do you want help? Do you really want help? Because I don't want to waste my money on somebody that doesn't want help. That's right, man. And, and they would say, I really want help. And somehow they would sail through and be like they had never been before. Right? And we both know, kowtowing to them, how are you feeling today? Oh, I don't want to hurt your feelings. They go to treatment after treatment after treatment after treatment and they die. Well, if you're not willing to say to them, okay, don't threaten me with leaving, just do it. <laughs> Because, yeah. it, you know, it, it's not going to change the answer. Right. I, I love being in a place where, where we can actually say that. And it's not, and, and that's not mean, but it's really aggressive by today's standards. The, you know, the idea of, uh, it, that's fantastic. You're going to leave? When? Um, yeah. Do you need us to make any calls? And I mean, I know you've done it recently. I mean, you've done it a lot where it's just like, you know what, man, this isn't working for you. It's not working for us. Where do you want to go? Where do you want to go? We'll, we'll help facilitate. We'll do a door. Oh, I know. I know who you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I, mean, I did that twice, by the way. <laughs> and, you know, and that's one of those things where you can be loving and yeah, caring I, I, and I, say, but let us do a door-to-door transfer because anytime people like you hit the streets, they're going to end up loaded or drunk or both or not finding their way to the next place. Let us do a door-to-door transfer. And then it's funny how quick they go, you know what? I really don't need my phone. Yeah, because they just want to, because, <laughs> well, in the old days, you would just say, you just want to use. Nothing about this place changed since yesterday, and you were fine. Mm-hmm. I say that all the time. Nothing about this place changed since yesterday. Yet you're fucking out of your mind. Everything's bullshit, and all, all we care about is money. Mm-hmm. How come it didn't dawn on you yesterday? All we care about is money. Right. You know what I mean? You were fine yesterday. It's you that's changed, not this place. Right. And you were cool with it yesterday, and you're not cool with it today. Maybe if you just shut up and go to group, you'll be cool with it tonight or tomorrow. And if not, then fucking leave. Right. You know what I mean? But well, don't leave under these circumstances where you're like, fuck you guys and fuck this. Right, right. No, if you're going to blow out o- over these, these little issues today, why don't we just get you a ticket? We'll set a date. I can, tell you, I can tell you why it happens in the case of the client that we share and, and several others. The rehabs themselves put impediments in clients, uh, like their personal property. They they delay it for hours. Like, no, give him his fucking laptop and give him his shit and his meds and get him the fuck out of here. And his phone. <laughs> right? But you know what I'm saying, right? Right. But that somehow they, the do-gooders in the rehab world think if they delay it long enough, they'll change their mind. No, they're not. 
That just pisses you're just them pissing off. them off right. more. And then they call it, what do they call that? He's escalating. No, you fucking, you're bullshitting. Give him his shit and let him leave. Don't leave him sitting out on the porch for fucking three hours. Right. Not telling him what's going on. Give him his stuff and he can leave. Or give her her stuff and she can leave. But rehabs do that. I watch it. I watch it at my own rehab. I watch it at other rehabs. Like, you know what I mean? Well, it's also not just... You know what I'm saying, Yes, I do. It's, It's not dissimilar also to when we're doing the... When you've, you've got the big ACA block going on and it's just like someone needs to talk to this person. So you get over there and you can you can talk them down. You can meet them where they are. You can get them to renegotiate and go, OK, you know, and telling them, man, why, why did you come here to begin with? It's one time, you know, I was but in, they're but still going to go if I the was, monster's there. I was notorious for leaving after detox. So it became pretty obvious because you couldn't go to rehab back in the day just to detox. They didn't they didn't even have them really. Right. So you had to say you're signing up for 30 days, but I would really only intend to till I feel better. Right. So Mm -hmm. I would leave day eight, day nine, day seven. Um, That was my M.O. And I remember at Exodus, I had left there several times and and, you know, they they just say, well, we you know, all the nurses would say is you got to talk to Lori or you got to talk to Harold before you, you can discharge. Those are the two counselors. Right. Okay, And. I remember I'd go talk to Harold and he would say, come on, man, what is fucking wrong? You don't, you just can come back. You're just going to go get loaded. Just stay, whatever. And then most times that would get me to stay another day or something, right? But when he knew I was really blown out of there and I was argumentative with him, he'd say, okay, get your shit and, and head on out. What do you need me to do? Right? right. It wasn't this, this mechanical MFT psycho babble kind of they don't even know the goal right the people in the work in treatment centers a lot of times that are trying to prevent an ama they don't even know what the goal is the goal is to wake the person up to see themselves not to be the the obstacle or the authority that's that's standing in their way oh no that doesn't work anyhow because they do it at every rehab in america that's the giant pushback all you can do is hopefully what you it's what you were saying you bring you just wanted to get them out of this because they're always going to escalate they're going to find the one the one employee that will escalate with them and then they then they can and then they get in and then it gets crazy so all you can do is bring it down and try to come up with it with a better plan than just fucking leaving right now let's get a place for you to go let's get your stuff together yeah, figure it out let's help let's help you sort this plan. out come. and sometimes when you're supportive of them leaving that's what. That's when they see where it's like, wait, this didn't work. But so a lot of times clinicians listen to this. They want to know. I, I just think that you have to know your client base. You have to know where they're at, who they are, what they are, and and kind of have this. Na- it's like a natural thing. You just know the right thing to do. You can't learn it. I guess you can, but not really. I know when somebody's like our our buddy. He's not. He's not here. Mm-hmm. He's not even here when he's here. So let's just try to figure out something better or right. something different or, you know what I mean? Let's just figure it out. And that's not how the clinical world or the rehab world think anymore. They think in terms of this was, they, pr- they probably think they're going to get in trouble from intake or management that you let a, 
you know, a good insurance policy go or whatever. It's become so money driven, the rehab world. Right. Right. So, so, you know, I, I just always think the, the thing that I like about having people out in the open is I can leave. Right. If they're not in treatment. So when I had my sober living where your son was, right, mm-hmm. I could just say, I don't know, fucking figure it out. And I could just walk into my room and lock my door. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. But when you're in a rehab setting with all this liability, all this responsibility, all this billing, all this insurance, all this rights, patient rights and legal rights and all these kind of stuff, it can't be genuine anymore. It can't. It's more like a psych hospital than it is like a rehab these days. Right. Well, and, so, and there's a lot of dual diagnosis clients too. Well, th- like there hasn't been. Like I don't have no mental but, but, problems. But, 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 we're, but we did. We're looking at it different. You're right. The focus is different. So it is more like a. Although, well, here I worked in a psych hospital, which most clinicians who talk that oh, their dual diagnosis never have. There's a thing called axes. You you put the the most important problem that the person has is the most life threatening. Right. Addiction. It's always number one in every psych hospital where addiction is present. You don't go, oh, he's going to die from his bipolar disorder. You're not going (laughs) to die from bipolar disorder. You're going to die from heroin addiction. So that's always access one, right? Rehabs don't know that. So they get all confused about it. Like, oh, he's got dual diagnosis, dual diagnosis. Here's here's another thing. I've had clients who, here's a client who who I saw stay sober for three and a half years schizophrenic methamphet intravenous methamphetamine autism unlimited resources you want to tackle that Ooh. one <laughs> was it schizophrenic with psychotic features <laughs> yes he one time pulled me i was driving him down the 210 freeway he one time like started it's most of some of it was an act and some of it was real and he had personality disorder he had autism he was a musical genius he was just unbelievable this guy and we're driving down the freeway and he he wanted to go eat somewhere and i said no we can't we he went to his personal psychiatrist appointment i drove him to and we're driving down the freeway and he the free the off-ramp to where he wanted to go eat at the hat in pasadena was coming up that's a lot of French fries. You know the, yes. you know the pastrami. Pastrami so and French fries So he started pulling the steering wheel. I was like, fuck you. <laughs> like he's pulling on it. And I put my, you know, forearm to his head and like steered and was holding him. And then he started biting my arm. He's kind of a crazy <laughs> guy. But, but. I'll bite you, bitch. <laughs> I like that. I like <laughs> but, when people are willing to bite. But, if you're then, willing to put a body part in your mouth, but more this power. Is, but this is the craziest thing. So I get him all the way back to PRC where I was working. He's f- just screaming at me, calling <clears throat> call me all kinds of names, eyes rolling back at his head, just psychotic, right? The psychotic features of it. I go running inside. Dr. Bloom, who founded Lee Bloom, he's a great psychiatrist, psychiatrist for 50 years. He's in the main office. I go, oh, my God, I got so-and-so out in the car, and he's foaming at the mouth, and he's freaking out, and he (laughs) bit me, and he's, you know, he's losing his mind. And we, uh, he goes, bring him in here. And I was like, I can't get him out of the car. And he goes, sure you can. And Dr. Bloom walked outside and opened the door and grabbed him by the scruff of his coat and drug him inside. Nice. And the guy was looking at him and he was kind of laying on the ground and Dr. Bloom and I were pulling him inside. And then he laid down on the floor of Dr. Bloom's office, pulled his pants down and started jacking off. And Dr. Bloom said, look at you. Look at what you're doing. 
This is all an act. You should be ashamed of yourself. This isn't an episode. You wouldn't have the you wouldn't be able to connect the dots enough. You're trying to offend me. And you saw the guy's eyes come back too. It was amazing. Hmm. Because it was it's also you're acting out. You're conscious that you're acting out and you're kind of unconsciously psychotic. And you have to pierce through that to the person who's rational. And he said, you're just, this is just play acting. You're just, you're trying to offend me. Somebody who's really floridly psychotic would not have pulled their pants down and be jacking off right now. And hmm. the guy sat up. Did he have an erection? No, he was just kind of trying kind of to just flailing. Kind of flailing. He was flogging he was, himself. He was like aiming it at us. I don't know why I asked that. <laughs> if you want him to have an erection, to, Mike Martin, he'll have an erection. I wanted to get a visual. It was about, it was about but that's eight and a half inches why long. Why I bring that up is this whole dual diagnosis thing, you got to cut to the chase. This is a rehab center. You're here because you're a drug addict. You're going to die of drugs. You're not going to die of your of your borderline personality disorder. You're not going to die of your No, depression. you're going to kill everyone around you. <laughs> right? <laughs> your... So... So, you know, just thinking of Gloria, thinking of Buddy, like they couldn't even work in this industry. That's how much it's changed. And they're the ones who invented this industry. How weird is that, a realization that I had? Do, do you think that, that, that there's room for a back to basics? It just dawned on me. Our society changed so much. Bob, you're going to make rehab great again. I'm going to make rehab great again. Gee, <laughs> where am I? <laughs> yeah, Mr. G.A., M-R-G-A. Hey, you, you know, I never talked to Chuck about it. You were there when I did my experiment. So Beachwood was an experiment I had. Okay. Can I attach? Can I be there? Can I reparent? Can I reparent? Can I form attachments with five or six different guys? Reparent them. Steer them in the right direction. Be their role model of sobriety. Sp basically sponsoring them. Can I do it? And you know, in fact, I can. And so, in fact, every member of Alcoholics Anonymous could do it. We could replace rehab with active involvement from the 12-step community. I believe that. I believe that we've dropped the ball on what, what being a mentor is, what being a sponsor is. I think you, start, what, you started what, talking about that last time we were here. What being a father figure is. What being a cool uncle is. That's what these American, particularly these young men, these young 20-something men need. They need somebody that will tell them like, tell, tell it like it is, love them, support them, tolerate them, but tell the truth. And that's what Gloria Scott did to me. So then you're, you're saying it's okay for me to tell them, like, I don't feel sorry for you. I'm not going to be. Yes. I am not going to feel sorry world. for you when you die if yes, you choose absolutely. to. absolutely. Okay, but you that's can't, all I want. But I want you can't do that in rehab. It's illegal. <laughs> well, I can do that. In, I can do that. Though, right? You can't do yeah, it in rehab. It's illegal. Yeah, I, I just, I, I always hit people with the idea of you're sober right now. So to pick up again. You're on your own. Right now, we're on the same team. But if you pick up again, don't call me after you get loaded. Don't do it. But that's kind it. of a softer, softer way of what I just said. It's not. It's not. It's exactly the same thing without going, you're going to die you, and maggots are going to eat your face. But, but let's, so let's just don't be, you think that But let's just be, it can't be in a rehab. And it used to be a real feature of rehab. The truth, the brutal, honest, 
in-your-face truth. I experienced it at Hazelden. I experienced it at Exodus. I experienced it at Cry Help. Those are three different levels of rehab. Okay, One is the creme de la creme, right? The, the four seasons of rehab at that time, Hazelden. One is the uh, kind of uh, the bottom of the barrel parolee place and one is in a, a you know a hospital program in an established hospital program in southern california three different types of rehab all told me you know what dude you're full of shit and you're gonna die and when did you hear it see now what when we did say you hear is, it though did you hear it only i heard once? it then I, you I heard mean, it every time i heard it i heard it the first time for sure and i i what they didn't know they thought i was a normal person that was a mistake they made i wanted to die i wanted to make four albums be 27 die be thought of like jim morrison and darby crash that's really what i wanted so they were telling me what I wanted. <laughs> I just had I'm gonna to, die. Can I, I do it this to, year? I just got to make two more really good albums. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't make it. Yeah. So Mike Mart saying that's the end of it. So that is. Yeah. Night. And the you truth say. is, Thorny's Monster made three really good records. I didn't make that fourth, and I didn't die. So that's why I'm a failure. Is that music. why you're making a record now? Yeah. Well, maybe this will be the fourth. Like I think this is the ninth. You're we over. still haven't made a fourth good record. Oh, this is good. the ninth. This is going to be the fourth. Good one. <laughs> <laughs> they were all, all right. fabulous. Oh. Be quiet. Oh, my they God. So Mike hasn't even listened to four of them. <laughs> there were Mike, four? Mike. <laughs> <laughs> no, all of that record was really good. Yeah. I thought there was just one. <laughs> wait, wait. I want to ask Mike Mart a question. Yes. Serious question, then we'll say goodnight. Okay. Have you really listened to Stormy Weather all the way through? Of course I have. When? Of course. I've listened to Saturday Afternoon. Oh, yeah. He listened to Saturday Afternoon. It's 22 minutes long. You know. <laughs> what's, what's the name of the one with all the fake uh, You know the, the like one that I have songs? not listened to at all? It what? is Clam Chowder. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, no, hard. Hard. it's, a, hard. it's a lot of songs. So, is that the one with like the... Bowie song. Yeah, yeah that's called California Clown. Okay. Never even that was the biggest mistake in the world. The record is good. So like five or six of those songs are really good. Do you and remember I went to I came up to Walt Will Chamberlain's place to play yeah, yeah. on that and I couldn't even I was like, I can't think of something to do on can't that. Can't do anything. So listen, so there's like five or good, six good songs. I don't know which ones they are because I don't know the names of the songs. <laughs> I swear to God. Well, just tell me who it there's sounds one, like. That's the name one, of the song. Well, obviously, there's one about Jeffrey Lee Pierce. That's called the Gun Club song. That's a great song. I'm I proud. Thought, I, I thought proud there was of, a germ song, to be too. Fun. Yeah, it's yeah. forming. Uh, that's not even me singing. It's Pete Weiss singing. <laughs> Fantastic. That's rad. All right, with that, we're going to say goodbye. I am bigger than Don't die. And if you do die, we probably will not feel sorry for you. That's okay. All right, good night. Good night.